who's Luke? Luke 8, and we're going to start in verse 19 here in a second. Everybody good? Everybody excited you're here tonight? Good. So you promised me nothing's going to pop out over there like a frog or a squirrel or anything. Okay, I'm just, because you got me kind of, I don't know, thinking what you got up your sleeve over there. So Luke 8. And we're going to start in verse 16. Actually, verse 19. Y'all there? Good. It says, Then his mother and his brothers. Everybody say, your mother and your brothers. Say that three times fast. Sounds good. Your mother and your brothers came to him. Who's him? Who's him? Okay, church question. When anybody asks a question, the answer is, okay, there we go. If you've learned something in all of your years at church, you should know the answer is Jesus. So who's him? And could not approach him because of the crowd. Verse 20, and it was told him by some who said, your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. No one talks like that anymore, do they? Your mother and brothers are desirous to see you, Haas. <laughs> for they have something special for you. But they were wanting to see Jesus. In verse 21, notice, he answered and said to them. Y'all hear. This is going to be a key verse for tonight. It says, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Notice that Jesus said, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God. And notice, and they do it. They are doers of the word. Jesus said in front of all these people, you know who my mother and my brothers are? Not just my natural family, but those who do the word of God. That's my family. Those who notice hear the word of God, but they take it a step further. They do what the word of God says. Amen? James 1. Let's go over James 1. Man, I'm excited to preach to you tonight. I don't know if you're ready, Duck Dynasty crew. I'm excited to preach the word of God. Wow, not that good of a response. I guess you're not excited to hear the word of God. I said I'm excited to preach the Word of God to you tonight, Duck Dynasty people. Okay. <laughs> James 1 and verse 21. Everybody there? Y'all there? Therefore, lay aside all filthiness. Look at your neighbor and say, filthy. Say, you look filthy. Tank just said, he said, you are nasty. He didn't say, you are filthy. He looked at him and said, you are nasty. Lay aside all fifth filthiness and overflow of wickedness. Notice, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Verse 22, but. But. We talked about big butts in the Bible. This is another big but in the Bible that you need to remember. 
a really big butt. You know, there's some butts that are bigger than others, and this is a really big butt in the Bible that you need to understand about. Are you with me? How many know God's butt's bigger than? Thank you. Verse 22, but be doers. Are you here? But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Notice that. Deceiving who? Deceiving who? So when you don't do the word, you deceive not your neighbors, not your pastors, not your family. You're deceiving yourself. And really, that's the worst deception that is possible for you in your life is to deceive yourself. It's one thing to deceive others, but people that don't do the word of God and just hear it are deceiving themselves. So notice that. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Let's look back over at Luke 8. We're going to park there. If you're taking notes tonight, which I encourage, the title of my message is, It's Family. Look at your neighbor and say, It's Family. With a little attitude. I know this is country night, but act like you're up in the hood right now. It's Family. Y'all, what's your problem is? It's Family. That's it. That's it. You got it. That's what real hood people say. It's Fam. So if you're taking notes tonight, Title of my message is, It's Family. It's Fam. You know, um, tonight, in honor of Duck Dynasty, we're speaking a message called, It's Family. Because, how many know, if you've ever seen Duck Dynasty, and if you haven't seen Duck Dynasty, I don't know what planet you're living on that you haven't seen Duck Dynasty. But, if you haven't, something about Duck Dynasty that's reoccurring in all their episodes is they're all about family. They're all about their family. They're all about eating together and doing life together and working together and praying together. And they got a good family. And so in honor of Duck Dynasty night, we're going to be talking about its family. Because how many know they have a somewhat good, solid family because that family loves God. They're plugged into their local church. And they're just right. The Duck Dynasty family, they are just right in what they do. And how many know they got a good family because, why, they are rooted in the local church and they serve God. That's why their family is so impressive to America. You know, that's why America is obsessed with Doug Dynasty because they have seen all the other reality shows with the jacked up people like the Jersey Shores and the real world and everything else. And they are sick and tired of seeing people like that that are dysfunctional. They, it's time that they see somebody who's right and a family that lives for God and they show that their life and the prosperity they're walking in and the health they're walking in and the peace that they have in their family. And so American uh, culture right now is obsessed with Duck Dynasty because why? They haven't seen a family like that that loves God, that loves each other, that serves in their local church, that are big givers it's foreign to their nature to see somebody like that. They're used to seeing the Jersey Shores and the rest of the shows that are on TV of dysfunctional people. And so people are intrigued because they don't realize that this family is possible. And there's tons of believers all around the world and in America that live this life. And you can have peace in your home. You don't have to have 
your kids on drugs. You don't have to have divorces in your household. You don't have to be living in poverty. You don't have to have a jacked up family. You can have a family that's whole and solid and loves God and loves the local church and turns out the right way. You don't have to be like the statistics that everybody said, well, they're going to sow their wild oats. They're going to do their own thing. You know, you can't expect everybody to be perfect. You know, everybody's going to have some dysfunction in their family. Okay. But notice, they are giving an example to the rest of the country and the world of what God can do in your life. I'm not going to preach on Doug Dynasty. I just wanted to say that at the beginning to share because the whole theme tonight is going to be about its family. And Duck Dynasty has showed us somewhat of what a good family is. It doesn't mean they're perfect. But notice, when they fight or bicker with each other, they're quick to forgive. They're quick to repent. They get back together, and they pray at the end of the day. How many know if you eat food with somebody and pray at the end of the day, everything's going to be all right? So we're going to talk about it's family. How many love your family? How many don't care for your family? (laughs) Be real. Be real. I want everybody to know tonight that everybody's family's weird. Let's just set the record straight. There's no perfect families. Every family's weird. Do you realize that? Every family's weird. Some weirder than others, but every family's weird. Is that the truth? Y'all know you do stuff in your house that if other people knew about it, they would say, y'all are weird. The foods you eat... The little customs that your family has for holidays and stuff that is strange. And other families are like, what the heck are you doing? You guys are crazy in this household. Everybody's family's weird. Let's just get over it and raise our hand. Everybody has a weird family, including the pastor's family. Everybody has a weird family. Why? Because families have their own culture in and of their family. They eat certain foods. They have certain customs. They do certain things on holidays. Everybody's got a weird family. So let's get over this whole idea of the perfect family and if you don't have the perfect family you're like man I hate my family I want another family no love your family if you have any part of a family you should be appreciative to God that you have a family because there's hundreds and thousands and millions of people in other countries especially young people in third world countries that some of those people don't have any family whatsoever And they would rejoice just to have a mom or just to have a brother or just to have an uncle, just to have one family member. And some of you guys have a full family and you're not thankful for what God has given you. Yeah, you got some weird people in your family. Yes, you have some issues in your family, but at least you have a family. But, you know, tonight we're not going to talk so much about your natural family. We're going to talk about your spiritual family because your spiritual family is a lot closer than your natural family. And something I want to say is, when it comes to family, have you ever had this scenario? I've had this many times where you're talking about a family member, about issues you got. Let's just say you're talking about your mother to somebody else. Not that I've ever done this before. And talked about some issues. It's okay if I talk about my mom. But you ever had a friend that wants to chime in because they're trying to be an encouraging friend? They're like, yeah, you know what? Your mama does have some issues in this, but it's not okay. Am I talking real? (laughs) I don't know what it's like in other countries that don't love the Lord and don't love bald eagles like America. But in America, if you talk about somebody's mom, 
you got issues. If you talk about somebody's daddy, even somebody's brother or sister, it's on. Like Donkey Kong. Am I right? It's on like Bing Bong Jack. Is that right? <laughs> but notice, if you're talking about your mom, it's okay. But if somebody else is talking about your mama, you'd be like, hold up. Did you just, yeah, you were just criticizing your mom for 30 minutes. I realized that's my mama. I can talk about my mama like I want to, but you cannot talk about my mama. Why? Because it's family. Is that real? I had a friend back in the day who would blast his whole family nonstop. Mother, father, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, cousins, and always tell me the latest gossip about what everybody was into and blast his whole family, his whole family, about, you know, they're doing this and they acting crazy on this. But if I ever chimed into the conversation and said, yeah, you know, your cousin is kind of whack, hold up. <laughs> How you going to talk about my cousin like that, dude? You were just blasting your whole entire family, your mother, your father, your brothers, your cousins, your aunts and uncles, and I say one thing, agreeing with you, and you're mad at me now. Why? Because it's family. It's a sensitive subject, isn't it? Even if you don't like your family, when somebody talks about your family, you're like, hey, I know what you're saying is the truth, but still, that's my family. Can I get amen in the house of God? And it's, it was hilarious to me because this friend, he would constantly blast his whole family. And if I ever chimed in, it was on. Are we going to fight on this? Because that's my cousin. Okay, you just destroyed your cousin verbally for 30 minutes. And I said one thing agreeing with you, and we're no longer friends now. We're going to fight. Why? Because it's family. It's family. You know, in Luke 8, notice this. In Luke 8, you guys back at Luke 8? It says... His mothers and brothers came to him. Jesus' mother's mother and brothers. Not several mothers. Mother. One mother. <laughs> and notice his brothers came to him and could not approach him because of the crowd. And it was told by some who said, Your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. And notice in verse 21, But he answered and said, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Notice that. My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. Realize here, Jesus is not disrespecting his natural family. He loved his natural family, but he was trying to make a point to the people that he was talking to. He wasn't disrespecting his brothers or his mother. We know that Jesus loved his mom. You know, when he was dying on the cross, he told John to take care of his mama. That was one of the last things he said. He loved his mama. Okay, he had a tattoo of mom on his shoulder. No, he didn't. Could have. I, I don't think he did, but he loved his mama. Jesus loved his mama. So realize here, Jesus was not getting smart about his brothers or his mother. He was trying to make a point to these people about the significance of somebody who hears the word of God and does it, that it takes a higher priority than even your natural family to him. To a person who's spiritually minded, those who do the word of God and not just hear it are closer to Jesus than his own natural family. Notice that. Those who hear the word of God and do it are even closer than the Mother Mary. Okay, we exalt the Mother Mary. The Catholic Church worships, worships the Mother Mary, for goodness sakes. And realize Jesus said, you could be closer to him because you do the word of God than even his mother. 
even his natural brothers and natural mother, you could be closer to Jesus. Why? Because you are a doer of his word. That's how important doing the word of God is to Jesus, is that you are closer to him than his natural family that God had given him. That's pretty strong. Because like I said, whether you like your family or not, it's still family. At the end of the day, it's still family. You could hate your relatives with a passion. Somebody talk bad about them, you are ready to fight. Why? Because there is something in you that God put there, some loyalty to your family that is family. And in Luke 8, before uh, the passage that we just read, it talks about the parable of the sower. Anybody ever heard the parable of the sower? Okay, just a quick overview of the parable of the sower so you understand what he's saying. Jesus talked about there's four different types of dirts or four different types of people on the planet. And notice he talked about everybody, their heart is like a piece of dirt or a piece of ground or a garden. Y'all with me still? He said, all these people, their heart is like a garden. And notice the word of God is the seed that goes into that garden. But what determines the harvest is not the seed, but it's the soil. And I just preached and nobody even said a word. What determines the harvest is not the seed, it's the soil. Why? Because the seed was the same with all four kinds of dirt, but the soil was different. That's why some didn't produce anything, and that's why some produced a hundredfold when they received the word of God. So notice this. God's part is his word, but your part is your soil. So if you want to receive the word of God and do it, you're going to have to do something outside of these four walls with what you just heard tonight and every time you come to church and hear somebody preach. You're going to have to do something more than just take notes and amen and shout us down and act like you're spiritual and then you do nothing with what was said on Thursday night. You do nothing with what was said on Sunday and you're wondering why there's no fruit and veggies in your garden because you didn't do nothing with your soil. Notice, the soil is your responsibility, but the seed is God's responsibility. And notice, the seed is God's word. And notice what we preach out of, God's word. It doesn't help you to preach out of Relevant Magazine. Hello, somebody. It doesn't help you to preach out of GQ Magazine. It doesn't help you to preach out of a history book or a psychology book. What's going to help you is the word of God. Because that's the only thing that has power to produce something in your life. Y'all here. So notice, he, he's, this whole passage here before this, he's talking about being a doer of the word. And notice, he says, takes it to a whole nother level. When he says, you want to know who my mama and my brothers are? Those who not only hear the word of God, but they do the word of God. That's how important it is to Jesus. Notice that. Jesus puts closeness in his family above his natural family when people do the word of God. You know, people are talking about, I want to be closer to the Lord. I want to be closer to God. Start doing the word of God. Hmm. That's not the answer I wanted to hear. <laughs> people don't put that together. I want to be closer to you, Jesus. I want to be, you know, tied in with you like your family. Jesus just gave you the answer here. Those who hear the word of God and do it are closer to me than my own natural family. So you want to get closer to God, start doing the word. Maybe you don't feel close to God because you're just a hearer and not a doer. So notice that Jesus says 
his spiritual family is closer to him than his natural family. And help me know this. I feel the same way about you guys in here. This is just a side note. But when I go to family reunions, I don't know about you. <laughs> when I am forced to go to family reunions up in Ohio or, you know, I've been to a couple other county fairs, a couple other hayrides, <laughs> and had to visit my family, and mom and dad are like, you need to go. This is your family. I was like, y'all ain't my family. Now, this is my family. Y'all with me? And then I, I don't want to get too smart with mom and dad, but I want to. I always want to bust out. You know, you need to go up. These are your relatives. This is your family. I'm going to say, who is my family? Who is my mother or my brothers? Those who hear the word of God, and they do it. Hey, I can quote it. Jesus said it. I can say it. But usually I end up having to go anyways after I say that. But still, that's what I want to say in my head because I don't want to get slapped by my mama. I won't say that. But how many feel the same way sometimes when you go to a family reunion? I'm just talking in the natural. And your parents lay that guilt trip on you. You need to go. to This is your family. You know, what if you don't see them again the rest of your life? That's the point. I don't want to see them. There's a reason I haven't contacted them in the past several years is because I don't care about them. They are no fun to be around. Yes, we have some natural blood DNA that connects with each other, but this is my family. I just want you all to know that because that's the way I consider. Each one of you, are you're my family. Who's my brothers and my sisters? These people right here, not those people I go visit in Ohio. That ain't my family. Why? And I got biblical grounds to say that because Jesus said, those who hear the word of God and do it, they're closer than my natural family. Why? Because they get it. How many know a lot of times, I mean, some of you guys have good families in here, but a lot of times your natural family, sometimes they don't get why you're excited about God. They don't get why you're excited about building the local church. They don't get about spiritual things. That's why they, we family here. You know, people say, well, you know, we, we just, it's blood relatives. You need to respect me because we're blood relatives. How about this? You in my natural blood. But I'm talking about some spiritual blood here. <laughs> and there's something that holds the family of God together that's stronger than natural blood, and it's the blood of Jesus. And that's what blood I, I, I'm relating to. I'm not relating to, this is my natural blood. You know, I'm a Jacobs. You know, I got this lineage and this lineage. I'm, I'm from Ireland and England. Uh, who cares about that junk? Seriously. My spiritual family is what matters. And we're knit together closer to, than my natural family. Why? Because we are held together by a deeper blood than just natural blood. By the blood of Jesus holds us together. And that is who's in our family, in our lineage, God's family. And notice, the bond is deeper. Why? Because the blood of Jesus is just stronger than the, a natural blood connection with people. That's why, like I said, a lot of you in here, I consider you my brothers, my sisters. You ain't my mama. You ain't my daddy. But <laughs> uncles, aunts, you know, you are my family. Why? Because you hear the word of God and you do the word of God. And notice, a spiritual and supernatural connection, it's hard to explain to your natural relatives. Your natural relatives will never get it. And they'll criticize you and be like, oh, y'all too good for us. Y'all can't come to nothing anymore. Maybe, no, I wouldn't say that. I'm just going to say. 
<laughs> I was saying what you could say to them, but you probably get get hit by relatives. Maybe because y'all are lame and no fun. That's why I don't want to be here anyways. But how many been to family reunions? I'm off track here, but Hoss is good, isn't it? Is it good? Hoss, you tell me the truth. Yeah, okay. You would not lie. He's Abe Lincoln. He will tell no lie. Um, was that Abe Lincoln or George Washington? Abe Lincoln. All right. I was right. <laughs> but at the family reunion, what was I saying? Where was I going with that? I was going somewhere with family. Well, that's true. That is true. I don't know what I was going to say about family reunion. It was good. Oh, about all your relatives, when they get together, they tell, y'all with me on this, they tell the same dumb stories every time they get together that they've been telling every year that they come at the family reunion in the fresh fish fry, and they tell, you know, I remember your daddy when he was his age, and he did this and this. Okay, I've heard this story the past 25 years of my life. It wasn't funny the past 25 times, and it's still not funny. Okay? Grandma, I heard you tell me this a million times. I realize, you know, your tale of woe. I've heard it a million times. It's, it's okay. You know, your, your crazy uncle that wants to tell you. Actually, some of them crazy uncles are the rightest ones there. I'll just say that. <laughs> they're not right, but they're the rightest one there. But let me know what I'm saying. You've heard those stories that are like, okay, people, I've heard this same old story about my family, and who cares? Who cares? <laughs> But notice, those who do the Word of God have a new family, a spiritual family that's closer than even your natural family, held together by the blood of Jesus. So you say, well, they they ain't your blood relatives up there, church. Actually, they are. The blood of Jesus. Let's look over at James 1. You guys get anything so far? Y'all got me off track for a second, talking about family reunions. I just know I've suffered through so many of those family reunions. I just got a lot of pent-up stuff I need to get rid of. Pent-up aggression against those family reunions I've set through. James 1. Notice this about the Word of God. Um, When God says something once, it's important, but if He keeps repeating Himself, then that means it's really, really, really important. And God, several times in his word, repeats himself talking about being a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. And he mentions this several times in his word. Why does he say this? Because we all know in here, there is a tendency to hear the word of God and not do anything about it. Isn't that the truth? There is a big tendency in every human being, not just a certain type of person, Everybody, there's a tendency, especially if you are in church a lot and you hear a lot of word, that you hear the word of God, but you do nothing about it. I mean, there's a, a big tendency. That's why he repeats himself so much about you don't need to just hear it, but you need to do it. I mean, some of you in here got notes and notes and notes. You got notebooks around your room. You got all sorts of pieces of papers where... Uh, sermons were written. You got all sorts of things that God has spoken to you. And what are you doing with that today? How many sermons have you amened, shouted down, taken a lap, done something, 
you know, wild, coming to the front, got prayed for, all the above, and you've done nothing the next week with it. (laughs) Why? Because it's a natural tendency in everyone to hear it and not do it. Is that the truth? And notice in James 1, 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness, overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word. Notice, the implanted, planted, planted. What are we talking about? Seed, and we're talking about soil. Notice that. The implanted word, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You guys still with me here? Notice that he says, Receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. I'm going to say two things about this before we move on past this verse here. Notice in the passage before, Jesus is talking about seed, which is the word of God, and talking about soil. And notice it talks about the implanted word. He's talking about the seed of God's word which is implanted in you is not enough to just be planted there. You have to do something with the seed after it's planted there. How many know that? Since we own Doug Dynasty night, let's all act like we're farmers and we know what we're talking about here. But how many know if you plant a garden or you have a farm, you can't just plant the seed and never water it and never let sunshine get to it, never do anything about it, never cultivate the ground. You can't do that or nothing will grow. So notice that Jesus says here, speaking through the Apostle James in the book of James here, notice he says, receive the implanted word is not enough. You're going to have to do something with it. That's just hearing it. When you hear the word of God, that is when the seed of God's word is planted in you. Are you still here or did you go home? When you hear the word of God, the seed of the word is planted in you. But notice, that's not enough. you got to do something with it for it to grow. And what you do with it is being a doer of the word. That's how you water it. That's how uh, you get sunshine on it to make that seed grow, is you do something with what you heard. But notice, just hearing it is not enough. So notice that the implanted word, notice, which is able to save your soul but he says something right before that he says receive with meekness the implanted word what does that mean receive with meekness it really means receive another word for meekness is to be humble if you're going to really receive God's word you have to be humble to receive it do you realize that you can't come up in church with pride and receive God's word are you here You have to be humble and meek to receive God's word. Why? Because when you're humble, you're saying, God, I don't know it all. You do know it all. So I'm going to receive what you have to say instead of keeping my own opinion because I'm in pride. (laughs) That's why you need to be humble. Every time you hear somebody preach, you need to come into that message being humble, being meek, being ready to receive. Say, God, correct the way I'm thinking. Correct stuff in me, not, God, I know everything. I don't need your opinion on this. I already have an attitude about the preacher and about what's going to get preached anyways. I don't need anybody to tell me anything. You won't receive anything with pride in your life. 
But notice, if you're going to receive God's word, you need to come at it with meekness, or you need to be humble enough to say, God, I don't know everything, and you do know everything, so I'm going to go with what your word says instead of my own thinking and own brain that's only been activated 25 years. Hello? Especially for us as youth and young adults, for us to think that we know everything when we've only been around 15 years, 20 years, 25 years, and the God of the universe who has no beginning and has no end and knows all things is trying to tell us something, (laughs) there is no room for pride. There's no room for, yeah, God, I know your word says this, but... Notice, if you're going to receive God's word, you're going to have to be meek. You're going to have to be humble to say, God... I don't know everything. And really compared to you, I know nothing. (laughs) And I'm going to receive what your word says instead of my own thinking. So notice that if you want to receive God's word in your soil or in your heart as a seed, you're going to have to be humble. You're going to have to be meek to say, God, you know all things. You tell me what I need to know. So notice, every time you come to church, every time you get in your Bible personally, every time you're at a Bible study, anything, come at it humbly that you can always grow, that you can always be taught something, that God can always share something new with you. That's how you receive more. Notice, the people that I've seen that God has constantly given them revelation, given them new things in their life, speaking to them are men that are humble and that are, are meek with the Word of God, that act like they don't know anything, that come at the Word afresh and new every day, saying, God, teach me something new. Not like, God, I know everything. I've read your word before. I know this all. You're not going to get anything with an attitude like that. (laughs) Are you here? So notice, if you want to receive God's word in your heart, in your soul, you're going to come at it humble and meek. Now, it says in James 121, therefore lay aside, notice, all filthiness or overflow of wickedness. Pretty much, lay aside all that bad junk in your life. And notice, the second part is receive with meekness or receive with humility the implanted word or, re, or hear the word of God with a humble spirit. And the seed of the word will be planted in you. But notice, that's not enough. How many know there's a lot of you in here and a lot of Christians that have been done with a lot of bad stuff in their life and they hear a lot of good preaching, but they're still the same person? Y'all here in the building. There has to be more to the story than that. How many know there's a lot of people that live a pretty good life, they don't do bad stuff, and they hear a lot of good preaching, but they're the same person year after year after year. Why? Because they don't do the next verse. And the next verse says, but be a doer. Meaning that you can't just keep one verse, you need to read the next verse because they go together. And so it's not enough that you just come to Corey, you come to church, you hear good teaching, you, you don't do bad stuff like the rest of the world. You know, it's not enough. A lot of Christians have deceived themselves into thinking that if I could just get rid of bad stuff in my life and hear a bunch of good preaching, I'm going to grow, I'm going to be strong, I'm going to be a different person. But no, if you never do the Word of God, you will never change. Our pastor, my father, said a long time ago, which is a very simple concept, he said, change isn't changed until it's changed. 
you can talk about change the rest of your life and never do anything. You know why people don't change? Because it takes some effort, some action, some application on their part to change. Are you here in this Presbyterian Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints this evening? Y'all here? So notice that. You can lay aside bad stuff, hear good preaching, and still be the same person. (laughs) How many know that from seeing other people's lives, but how many know that in your own life? I'm here. I'm raising my own hand. Got rid of bad stuff, hearing a lot of good preaching. Especially being a pastor's kid, you hear so much good preaching, it's ridiculous. Non-stop. But that doesn't mean you're going to change. That doesn't mean you're going to grow in your relationship with God just because you hear it. Like I said earlier, especially us that have grown up in church and been around the things of God for a while, we have a tendency to think that hearing it is the same as doing it, and it's not. In my talk and real talk, your hair is so awesome right now. Isn't that the truth, church kids? <laughs> if you're not a church kid, you don't get it yet. But if you are, you understand. Because a lot of us leave church happy, pumped. We're like, we took notes. We said amen. But there's more to it than that. You say, well, pastors preach not prosperity. Why am I not prosperous? Maybe because you don't do anything about it. <laughs> you say amen, and you shout like you're interested, and you take notes because your parents are sitting next to you. But you don't do anything with what you're hearing. (laughs) Pastor's preaching about healing. And I'm always sick. Maybe because you're not doing anything with what you're hearing. You know, I've had many messages talked about experiencing God and getting closer to God and, you know, having a passion for God. And you're like, well, I don't get it. You know, I took notes when he was preaching and. I even said some of those cool comebacks and sayings that they say, like Lisa says, glory, and the rest of them say, you know, don't get between me and my makeup and all the rest of those things, but I'm still the same person and I haven't changed because you heard it (laughs) and you didn't do it. (laughs) And notice here, you can lay aside bad stuff and hear good preaching and still be the same person, still never grow, still never get any closer to God, still keep coming to the same altar calls you've been coming to for your whole life, because here's something to think about. Hoss, you got me on the rabbit trail, and I'm going to follow that rabbit trail right now. You know, people keep coming to the same altar calls for the same things. You know why they keep coming? Because they never do the Word. <laughs> They're expecting a prayer line to fix their life. But you will keep coming to the altar call the rest of your life until you actually start doing the Word. You know, the thing is, You've seen young men get up in the prayer line and they're dealing with sexual addiction and pornography, this and that, and they think, well, you know, if pastor prays over me, I'm going to be delivered. Yeah, that's true, but you're going to have to do something on Monday about it. How about don't take your computer in your room alone when you're by yourself? (laughs) They don't put two and two together. They just think, because I got in the prayer line, I don't got to do anything about it. No, notice, the prayer lines are important, but they're not going to do the job for you. And I want to promise each and every one of you, you're going to keep dealing with the same stuff. You're going to keep having to be delivered. You're going to keep coming and have to have hands laid on you with not just sexual things, but you name it in your life if you're just going to keep hearing it and not doing it. Because <laughs> that's your answer. Like Pastor said many times, I can get you delivered, but you're going to have to do something to stay delivered. 
<laughs> You're going to have to make a choice the next week after you got hands laid on you or somebody prayed over you to do something with what you've heard. I'm talking too real. That's why you got quiet on me. I realize that. <laughs> it's the truth. But you could still be the same person. But notice in verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself I want to bring something out to you real quick and we're going to close we're going to have some good food in the back it says but be doers meaning it's not enough to lay aside bad stuff and hear good preaching you're going to have to do something with it but it says be doers notice he says be doers Become a doer, not temporary do. Y'all hear? Because a lot of Christians are selective doers or temporary doers. They get excited at camp and they do the word for the next week, but they're not, they don't become a doer. Y'all hear with me? Y'all old enough to understand that? And notice, God says through his word, I want you to become a doer, not just temporary do my word. That your life is doing the word, that that's who you are. Not just something you temporarily do when you get excited and pumped up by a preacher. You temporarily do it after winter retreat. You temporarily do it after love is read. You temporarily do the word after summer camp. No, but you become a doer because now that's your lifestyle to do the word. And notice he says, be a doer. Don't temporarily do, become a doer. Let doing the word of God, notice, become who you are, not just something you do. Let being a doer of the word become who you are as a person, not just something you temporarily do. Let you become that. That's why he says be a doer, not temporarily do, because anybody for a moment can do the word of God after they come out of six days of camp, for goodness sakes. The next day, they're going to live pure. The next day, they're going to be excited getting the word and pray. But how about a couple of weeks after that? Are you a temporary doer or, or have you become a doer? Is that who you are now? Quiet. I realize when I hit when I hit hit the right spot there, everybody gets quiet. <laughs> you know why? You know why I share messages like this? Because I do the same thing. <laughs> I just preach to you what God preaches to me about. <laughs> because I've heard more messages than all of you combined in here. <laughs> and the thing is, you can hear good preaching and still be the same person and still never change. If you don't decide, notice that you're going to become a doer. You're just not going to temporarily do the Word of God for a season. You know, some of you think in here that you're going to grow spiritually just because you show up to church. It's not going to happen. You know, because we see in the world around us, especially some of us that are younger, you're going to grow physically in the future, a lot of you in here. And I wish I was still growing physically. I'm not, hey, I'm not going to grow out this way. I'm going to grow up this way if I'm going to grow anywhere. But some of you are going to grow physically, whether you do anything about it or not. You're going to grow you're going to grow in your age. Whether you like it or not, you're going to get older and you're going to grow in your age. 
But that doesn't mean you're growing spiritually just because you're growing older. <laughs> just because you got a beard now, Doug Dynasty, just because you got some armpit on armpit hair, <laughs> armpit on your hair, just because you got some armpit hair and a mustache and your voice is starting to lower, doesn't mean, hello somebody, that you are growing spiritually. Doesn't mean that you're mature. You know, there's people that are 70 and 80 years old that are still not mature. Because growing old doesn't mean you're mature at all. <laughs> growing physically doesn't mean you're mature at all. And don't think just because those things happen naturally that you're growing spiritually. Everyone that has received Jesus, notice, is in the family of God. But how many know, just like your own natural family, there's some people in your family that you're closer to than others. And notice what Jesus says. Those who want to be close to me got to hear the word, but then they got to do the word. How close do you want to be to Jesus? Because some of you are thinking that it's on his side, but no, it's on your side. If you receive Jesus in your heart, we're all in his family, but realize there's certain people closer to him than others. Why? Because they do the word of God. You know, there's great men of God we see from the past. God didn't love them anymore. They didn't have any special privileges, but they were closer to God than we are. Why? Because they were doers of the word. Realize you can get as close to Jesus as you want to, and it's not his choice, it's yours. <laughs> do you realize that? Just like his 12 disciples... He had 70, he had 12, then he had the three that were really close to him, and then he had one, John, that was the closest. And notice, it wasn't his choice who was close to him, it was the disciples' choice who was close to him. Why? Because some received him at a different level and were doers of the words that he said. Did you guys fall asleep? Are you still here? So realize that we're all in his family, but you can be as close to Jesus as you want or distant, and it's your choice. But if you're going to keep st still being a hearer and not a doer, you're going to be a distant relative like some of the relatives I've talked about. And he's going to love you. But until you start doing and not just hearing, you're not going to be close. As we close here, something to think about. You in here that say you're a doer of the word, well, what part of the word did you do today? Ouch. I'm a doer of the word. I hear it all the time. I'm a doer. Okay, then what did you do in the word today? Quiet in this Methodist Church of God in Christ, Presbyterian, Missionary Baptist. Y'all know that's right. Church. Isn't that true? A lot of you that said, I'm a doer, and you didn't do anything with the Word of God today, what does verse 22 say? You're deceiving yourself. <laughs> I'm in the boat with you, too. Notice that. If you said, well, I'm a doer of the Word, then what did you do in the Word today? What part of the word did you apply to your life today? Because if you didn't, you're deceiving yourselves. Notice, it's that easy.
Because you thought hearing it is the same as doing it. I'm going to get real practical here. Ask yourself this question. Every day, not just every day, but every time you get in your own Bible, every time you hear a message, ask immediately, how can I apply this to my life? How can I be a doer of what I've just heard? Because if you don't go there, you're never going to be a doer. You've got to get real intentional and real focused. It's not just going to happen to you on accident. You're going to have to be real intentional. When you hear the word from God, you're going to have to say, God, how am I going to apply this to my life? How am I going to be a doer? If you never ask that question, you'll never be a doer. Notice that. What part of the word are you applying to your life? And notice, don't make, don't make goals for yourself that are too big. Because some of you are trying to take everything at the same time. Take something every day. Take something every day. How about you just take one thing for the next couple weeks? We'll start there. Why? Because nobody gets real practical, real intentional, real on your level about being a doer. They just say, do the Word of God. Okay, well, what does that mean? And they get you hyped up, but then the next day, what are you going to do with it? It's not enough to take notes. It's not enough to say amen. There has to be more. There has to be application, not just information. You know, people can preach you revelation from God's Word like we are tonight, and sometimes it makes it a little bit easier to start putting it into practice. But after you hear revelation, there has to be application or admits nothing that you heard it. Here's something to think about. Every day when you wake up, like I said, choose one thing. How are you going to apply that Word to your life today? How are you going to apply that? Because some of you take notes every week, you amen, but then you go out and you do the same thing every week. Tomorrow at work, when the Word of God talks about not cheating, not doing certain things, what do you do when you're off at work? How do you treat your, your boss? How much time do you take when you were allotted a certain amount of time and you stay 20 minutes over your time? Nobody gets real practical, but you being on time is applying the word to your life. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> what about next week when everybody's sharing each other's homework together? You say, well, God, make me a doer of the word. Then do it then. Nobody wants to say amen on that because everybody in here shared homework, including myself. But you realize you're cheating when you're doing that. And the word says that you shouldn't cheat. You shouldn't lie. So there's an example about being a doer of the word. We said, well, God, help me with my anger issue. Help me with the issues I'm struggling with. Help me to not lose my temper. Okay. Well, next time somebody smarts off to you, God has given you an opportunity to be a doer. <laughs> Say, well, I need to start honoring my father and mother. When you go home tonight, here's your first opportunity. 
when they come in and they ask you 50 million questions about your night, think about what I'm saying. Honor your father and mother. I'm going to be a doer of that one verse tonight. How many know I'm going to keep that scripture close to me because I'm going to get a lot of questions tomorrow when my mother calls me. How did that dynasty night go? How did okay. Honor my father and mother. I'm going to be a doer of the word. Notice it's that easy to start being a doer. But if you never start, you'll never become a doer. Let's look at James 1 in the message. You got that message Bible with me? With you? Thank you. And then we're going to eat some food. Did you guys get anything tonight? You guys were awful quiet, but I know you guys were listening. You were receiving the Word of God. I realize it was a real talk message because we've all dealt with that in our lives, and we still do deal with that, of not just being a hearer, but being a doer. And before we read this in the message, which the message is an awesome Bible to read out of, in James 1, is I want to say this, because we've talked about not just hearing, but being a doer. And notice that when we do the Word of God, Jesus says, that's who, who my real family is. That's my family right there. That's my true family. That's my close family, those who are doers of the word. And we all say, I want to be close in Jesus' family. Well, there's your answer right there. Be a doer. But notice this, which we've taught you well about the Holy Spirit here. And I don't want you to leave out of here thinking that you're doing the word by yourself and in your own strength and own power. I didn't want to leave that off before I finished because you could leave thinking, well, I just got to do it then. And just, you know, you got some of them aggressive Christians. They go do it whether they feel it or not. And they are legalistic and grumpy, but they go do the word. Or at least act like they are. Or attempt to. But there's no Holy Spirit empowering them to do it. And notice, God doesn't want you just to do the word by yourself. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. To give you the ability and empower you to do what his word says. But here's something some people leave out. The Holy Spirit is the helper, not the doer. <laughs> Y'all here? Y'all went home. Y'all in fried chicken land right now, I can tell. Notice, God gave you the Holy Spirit to help you do the Word, not do the Word for you. Notice, the Word of God says we're working together with Him. So that means you do something, but the Holy Spirit's going to do something. But a lot of us don't give the Holy Spirit anything to work with. You say, well, Holy Spirit, I need you to come help me do the Word. Well, you don't give Him anything to help with. <laughs> and He's not going to come help till you actually do something. Same thing if I said, hey, Sookie, come help me move this. And He comes to help me move this, and I never grab a hold of this. He can't really help me. I got to do something. And until I grab a hold of this, he can't help me move it, can he? But when I grab a hold of it and I do something, he does something. It's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. 
if you never do something or grab a hold of something in the Word of God, He has nothing to help. But notice, there's a promise in His Word. When you grab a hold of something, when you start doing something, that's when the Holy Spirit comes to empower you and enable you to do everything that God has called you to do, everything that's in God's Word. You can do what's in God's Word. Why? Because He's given you the Holy Spirit to empower you to do it. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit. You can never say, God, I can't do what your word says. Why? Because he gave you the Holy Spirit to help you do it. But notice, if you never grab a hold of anything, he won't grab a hold of anything. He has nothing to help with. James 1, 22, in the message, and we'll close and we'll eat some good food tonight. How many excited about that? Y'all sound a little too excited that my message is over couple y'all in here. I heard you, Sue. Don't think I didn't. Yeah. Well, we fed your spirit. You go feed your flesh in a second. It's okay. In the message, it says, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but. Letting the word go in one ear and out the other. Notice, act on what you hear talking about the word of God apply what you hear act on what you hear those who hear and don't act are like those who glance in the mirror walk away and two minutes later they have no idea who they are and what they look like verse 25 notice this y'all ain't ready for this verse but whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God the free life Sue, are you here? You are usually shouting more than everybody else. You got fried chicken on the brain right now for some reason. Notice that. If anybody catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life, notice, even out of the corner of his eye and sticks with it, not distracted, not distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. Notice, that person will find delight an affirmation in that action. And the New King James says that person will be blessed in everything that that person does because they're a doer of the word. Can I get an amen tonight? Did you guys receive anything this evening? All right, we're going to get you some fried chicken so you go live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. We're going to pray over the food and we need about five minutes to sit up in the back and then we'll eat. Sound good to you guys? Then 